You're nodding. Does that mean something? Your, your wife is nodding. <laughs> that was good, Brooke. I so enjoyed that. <clears throat> I was talking to Marie before about God telling me to start a church on January. I didn't say January the 16th, 1983, but that was the morning. That's 40 years ago. Wow. I don't know what I think about that. 40 years ago. You're seeing if I can do this without spraying it all over myself, which we're going to find out in a minute. And then, I won't give it away, but Marie said, well, I was such and such age then. Marie, the young whippersnapper. Turn with me to uh, Numbers 11. Let's see, next week is Father's Day, right? Yeah, so that, that means that's good. That means I can drive down Rainbow Drive and not be run over by people that are trying to go to the top of the river. <laughs> you know, they <clears throat> on Mother's Day they, they go certain places and then on Father's Day they go other places and then there's an overlap. They're gonna go out anyway on those days and it gets dangerous. It's like people trying to get to work on time. But boy I need to Probably pray for a minute here. I really don't want to saw off myself on the end of a limb by accident, but Lord, uh, speak to us. Give me words to say that express what you want expressed. And thank you for this Lord's Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What if I go all the way to the end of my notes, Karen? <laughs> I should put something as a marker here. I'm going to go to, which you know, over and over and over, and I hate to go there. But the Ephesians chapter 4 for just a second. New American Standard, Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 11 and 12, you know it so well, we could probably just quote it, and he, Paul's saying, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up 
of the body of Christ. I had no idea 40 years ago what this meant when the day he told me to start a church. It took me uh, a year and a half to decide, well, just because he said you should, you, I want, he wanted me to start a church doesn't mean that I should pastor the church. I mean, he didn't say anything about pastoring. He just said, I want you to start a church. I said, I can't pastor or preach. That's not what I said. That was the end of it. I talked to a lot of people. I, you know, eventually did some stuff. And uh, we were joking earlier. <laughs> For some reason, well. <laughs> so I had a friend call up that I had been teaching at Hoax Bluff. Well, I didn't teach. He would come, he would come to my uh, art room in the basement and visit his friends on, when they have a break. And they had the... Uh, this art room was uh, the basement where they kept the student lounge, so it meant that there were four Coca-Cola machines and some snack machines, and everybody came down there and spent their money. Except for Herbert, the day that they, uh, one of the machines dropped, they all dropped out Cokes in, in a cup, you know, the kind that dropped the cup and you do it. So Herbert was one of my students. This has nothing to do with anything, I just thought of this. Herbert was in the seventh grade, and uh, Herbert decided that he would get himself a cup out of the machine during class, after it was just been break, and we were kind of, you know, they were kind of coming in, and then others were breaking, and all the seniors and everybody had money, and they were all milling around, and they'd go outside, you'd go up the steps into the outside at Hoax Bluff back in those days. That building's been torn down now. Um, Herbert put his hand up inside of the drink machine where the cups come down. Herbert didn't get a cup, but he got his hand caught in there. And the more he tried to struggle, the more painful it was. So then I had to kind of hold him in place because he was freaking out. I said, well, y'all go get somebody that can unlock the machine because Herbert's like losing his mind. He's screaming. The art teacher's holding the student. <laughs> I'm trying not to be parental, but I am being parental going, why did you put your hand up inside of the drink machine. I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea. Please get me out. I said, they're coming. Just look, you and I just got to sit here and I'm just going to kind of hold on to you because you've tried and you're like, we're, we're going to get blood all over the other cups in here probably if we're not careful. So they came and got him. So this other student who would come down there and talk to me some, had friends in the art room, calls me up. Now, I have been doing church in the living room for over a year. And every Sunday afternoon before I have church at like, I don't know, 6 o'clock or something in my living room, I'm wondering, am I, am I supposed to do this? God didn't tell me exactly. He just told me to start one. I've started one. So the friend calls up, the student who's now graduated. He's married, got a baby coming along. And he's, and uh, hey, how are you doing? I said, yeah, good, good to hear from you. I've not, I've not seen you in like uh, two years, three years. Yeah, something like that. I'm married now. You are? Yeah, we're going to have a, have a baby pretty soon. Cool. And so I, I'm trying to like work around the conversation. It's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and I said, hey, did you call me with something in mind? 
I didn't want to miss it before we go on. He says, well, yes, I did. I had a dream last night. And in the dream, I was talking to a guy. And the guy, for no, good, for no reason, I, can't re- I don't know, he just said, he said, hey, uh, who's your pastor? And I said, Jim Bentley, and woke up. Isn't that funny? I went, yes, thank you, God, thank you, God. Well, I mean, it's like, he didn't know. I said, well, I've, uh, God told me to start a church, and it meets tonight at my house, and if you want to come sometime, why don't you just come on by? That was good. That was not as embarrassing as the time that I'd been doing, trying to learn to do tongues. Maybe it was because I was raised Baptist. Nothing to do with Baptists. It was just not anything that we practiced. And I never had but like five or six syllables that I could hear. I learned to do the syllables because I found if I played talk radio really loud that I could do these syllables over and over. And occasionally I'd get another one or two syllables. And I must have had maybe ten syllables and finally, I just quit. It was just too much work. I mean, it was just too hard to get out these 10 syllables. I knew them. I can think even as I say that, I hear the very first ones in my head. Okay, so time marches on. Nori Kelly and I are up in my garage art studio. We've built, I built this studio at my house at Southside that Amber owns now. and had this place up there, and we're doing deliverance on a guy. And... Um, we're doing deliverance, and we can't get a name of, of what this is. Why is he keeps manifesting? We'd tell it to go down. He'd go down for a few minutes, and he'd come back up, and it's growling. You know, his personality's back, and his, this other personality's in front. So finally, Nori says, i got to take a break. Can I go to the restroom? Sure. Nori goes to the restroom, you know, and he's uh, coming back up the steps. And just about then, I thought, I, I just can't. And all of a sudden, it was like the little word, like tongues. Oh, well, I got those ten syllables. Anything else to do? So I start saying these ten syllables over and over. The person, all of a sudden, that has been growling at me, puts their hands over their ears, and <laughs> a loud voice says, stop doing that. I, you don't know what you're saying but I hate what you're saying. Okay, well then tell me your real name. I mean, what you're here for. Nori it goes on. We do ends up turning into deliverance. Person, we find out, you know, they confess their stuff. It, it leaves. He goes home. Uh, <laughs> Nori Kelly. <laughs> Nori them just got back from Japan. Um, uh, I was writing him this week. I forgot to ask him about Japan. I was talking about something else. Nori says to me, so, so Jim, how does it feel to have your tongues validated by a demon? Nori had a way with words. So I had a guy, had a dream, told me that, <laughs> let me think I was pastoring, and then I had a demonic presence that, and, you know, so, so if, you, so if you've got a weird story, this is a church that you can do weird stories in, okay? Just telling you, if you've got one and you're nervy enough, we'd love to hear your story. Okay, Numbers 11. 
Moses is out in the wilderness with the people. God has started making manna. Every morning they'd have to get up, you know, and they would gather it. And then after the sun was up a while, it would burn off. And so you had to gather it. And God would give them enough on the, uh, on, uh, the day before Sabbath. Uh, they would have enough to eat for two days. Now, it, they, you know, it says that it tasted sort of like uh, a wafer with honey in it and uh, a honey wafer. And they could kind of mix it up. I don't know what all they make out of it. I hear Keith Green Green saying in the background of a particular song like, the manna bread. You know, <laughs> so you want to go back to Egypt. It's, it's a song that he did. And I, I, can, I always think about that like, you know, it, it was okay probably the first week maybe the second week, maybe the third week, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere manna got old. Of course, there's always people that wanted to gather extra, and if they gathered extra, it wouldn't keep. It got full of worms before not, it didn't work. You couldn't store it. You couldn't sell it. You had to, everybody had to go out and gather manna every morning. Huh. So, so now, they're, now they're wanting meat. They want something besides banana bread or whatever, manna bread. So this is, uh, let's go 11.10, right about there. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at the door doorway of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was displeased. Now, Moses has been called to do this, like reading that from Ephesians. We all get, sometimes we get called to do things. Sometimes we don't know it's not real obvious, and sometimes it's an obvious thing. You know, God calls people to do things, right? So, so Moses says to the Lord, verse 11, Why have you been so hard on your servant? Talking about himself. And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burdens of all this people on me? Was it I, was was it I who conceived all this people? Was it I who brought them forth, and you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a, a nursing infant to the land from which you swore to your father, from which you swore to, our, to their fathers. Where am I to get meat to give it to all this people? For weep, they weep, for they weep before me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. I alone am not able to carry all this people because it is too burdensome for me. So if you're going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once. If, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. Do you, so, you, you feel like that Moses is it's getting to him, all these people out there? There's a mess of people, a bunch of them out there. And he cares about them. Not only did God call him to go and deliver the people and then walk them across the dried up Red Sea and get them out in the desert and they don't have, they've used up all the food that they have and now God gives them manna and 
that's for a while, and manna's still going on with the tired of manna. They, they want some meat. So if you read this chapter, there's woven two stories going on in chapter 11 of Numbers. So the Lord says in verse 16, the Lord, the Lord therefore says to Moses, Gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting, you know, it's a tent outside the camp, and let them take their stand there with you. And then I will come down, I will speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit who is upon you, and will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you will not bear it all alone. This illustrates something that we have seen, something that Randy Clark is going around the world still doing half of the year. He leaves home. He says he's gone about 180. Now, he's been doing this since Toronto, since 1994. He's still doing it, as best I know. Uh, other people, John and Carol, are not other ones. They have found that... Um, something that we've seen, something that we experienced going to Toronto, then coming back here and praying for people, is that the things of God are contagious. It's like getting the very best virus you can possibly catch from your friends. God's telling him, he says, get, get, some, get some elders, 70, okay, the ones you, that, that you know that they are, and bring their officers with them, uh, and bring them down to the tent of meeting, and then here's what we're going to do. Um, then he says, I will come down, verse 17, and I will speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, who is upon you, and will put him upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you shall not bear it all alone. very same thing is going to happen way years later on the morning of Pentecost. You know, Jesus has said, hey, boys, don't leave town until you're filled with the Spirit. You know, you need more than you've got. Basically, he's, he's just being honest with them, sort of like, well, you've been, you've been with me for three years. You hadn't caught on completely. You're not ready I'm going to be, you know, coming and going during the 40 days, and then he's, you know, and he gives them instructions, stay here until you receive, you know, the Holy Spirit from Ohio, so to speak, and which takes place 10 days later, 50 days after the resurrection. Okay, so... Um, then he talks about meat to them. Um a few chap <laughs> a few verses there about meat. Yeah, I'm going to give them meat. I'm going to give them meat until it comes out their nose. Uh, let's jump down since it's not lunch yet. Uh, verse 21. Mark, can I... I can't seem to skip over this, can I? Do I have to? I guess I. Let me just read them. Verse 18. <clears throat> Say to the people, Concentrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. 
for you shall for you have wept in the ears of the Lord saying oh that someone would give us meat to eat for we were well off in Egypt they're complaining therefore the Lord will give you meat and you shall eat and you shall eat not one day not nor two days nor five days nor 10 days nor 20 days but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils until it becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying why did we ever leave Egypt Verse 21, but Moses said, the people among whom I am are 600,000 on foot. Yet you, talking to God, yet you have said, I will give them meat so that they may eat for a whole month. Should flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to be sufficient for them? Or should I? All the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to be sufficient for them? <clears throat> is he in his spiritual right mind or, or is Moses thinking? Even Moses gets in it. Moses is, you know, this is, it's hard on him. They're whining. They're all sitting in front of their tents. I'm saying this in great humility, Lord. I understand. I'm not any different. I don't want to get in trouble. They're crying. They, they want something else. They're tired of manna. They want, they want some meat. They want, they're, they, they're missing Egypt. So you want to go back to Egypt? Keith said, where they're warm and secure. I need to get that song out after a while. Listen to it again. And the Lord says back to him, Verse 23, the Lord says to Moses, Is the Lord's power limited? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. As well as Moses knows God, as well as he can, he doesn't seem to be, you know, where he takes, the Lord says, Okay, I'm wiping them out. I'm starting a new people with you. It's going to be you. We're going to start all over. You know, and Moses, that, that probably is later than this one, this passage. But, you know, that's the part where Moses says, No, Lord, you won't look good. I mean, that here's the little human, Moses, with God. And him, how, I mean, I don't know how Moses takes God aside, but it's kind of like taking him aside saying, oh, You won't look good. This is not a good idea. Don't, don't, don't kill him. You know, go with us. Don't kill them. And then God says, okay, I won't. I won't kill them. That's a loving intercession from somebody. Now, all I can see is Charleston Heston playing Moses. I, I, I admit that I'm tainted by the movie, you know. But uh, still, I can, I can read this. Verse 24, so Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. Also, he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and stationed them around the tent. Verse 25, and when the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke, you can see that? There's the tent of meeting. Here's the little tent. 
It's out from the camp. There's back here is all the women, children, everybody else. You know, kind of see cloud and dust, fires and noise and animals and all this. And they're down at the tent, and here comes down a cloud. It's not just a cloud. God in the cloud and spoke to him. And he took of the spirit who was on him, upon him and placed him upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But they didn't do it again. Now, over in the New Testament, what happens? Some of them start speaking in tongues. So we got from prophecy on one end, if we make this into a spectrum of stuff that the Spirit might do, to tongues on the other end, and all this stuff in between. When the Spirit comes on people, there's a variety of Manifestation effects. They're effects. We could do an experiment. We could all go take some live wires and plug them into an outlet, hold on to the two wires, and then we would all have an experience. They might be a little different. Some might arc across their fingers or yell or whatever or burn your finger. I mean, I don't know. That was a terrible illustration. First thing I, I thought of. He comes down, they prophesy, not again, verse 26. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. Must be like rhyming names, I don't know. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were, parentheses, now they were among those who had been registered but had not gone out to the tent. I always have trouble with that. Well, if there's registered and they said 70, were there 72 or are they just 70 and just got bad number count here writing and whoever, yeah, anyway. And they prophesied in the camp. So we got two guys, everybody else is down around the tent of meeting, the cloud's there, they prophesy for a moment. This is the hot moment. Back in the camp, these other two, for whatever reasons, that don't go, but the same thing happens to them. Verse 27, so a, so a young man ran and told Moses, and tattletale, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And then Joshua, Moses' right-hand man, who's always trying to keep everything going, you know, he, he lives and camps down at the tent of meetings when Moses goes back home to be with his family. Josiah, I mean... Yeah, he stays, he stays down there, right? He says, um, just given the background there, he's, he's an attendant of, uh, uh, he's been attending Moses from his youth, verse 28. And he says, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. This is not right. This is not good protocol, Lord. You know, they were all supposed to go down there. They stayed home. They played hooky. And... Now they're prophesying. They, this, you should do something about this. You're the boss. This is not, I know I work for you, but this is, this, he's, he's, he's upset about it. And the 
Boy, the best lines in here is the next one, 29. But Moses said to him, are you jealous for my sake? Now, being a pastor for 40 years, I so get this verse. Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Moses loves God. Moses loves working for God. Moses gets tired of his job. Forty years. I got guys and gals down through the years that we have prayed for, have anointed them. Some of them have gone on and done amazing things. Michael Bynum still amazes me, even though he sat behind me in homeroom since like 1967 at Etowah. He amazes me. You know, Todd amazes me. Oh, I listen to him online going, that was so good, you four o'clockers. It's just, you know, it's just, it's good. I've got a whole stack upstairs. I found a, a fancy piece of paper at one of those places that puts out fancy pieces of paper. And I bought a whole box of them because they were so good. And it had a place you could put a name on it. You could put a line under the button. It had like grapes around the edges naturally. I've still got a bunch of them up there. Well, every time I would do put it on there, you couldn't use, I found that if, if you printed with your inkjet printer, then it would smear. But if I came down to the photocopier, which burns, you know, I could put, I would type it up on my computer, bring their information, the date, the, their name and stuff on them, whatever it was we were dating them for. I could put it in there. I could put the fancy thing with the grapes on it and run it through and make a copy, and it would burn it on there, right? So then I'd have one for them, the one that we would sign. We'd have ordained people sign it, and I would have the photocopy left over. So I'd take the photocopy. I have got a box of photocopied people's names who we have ordained. If you want to have a fantastically wonderful, depressing day, I'll let you look at the box. Now, y'all won't know them, but I know them. Some of them, it lasted a few months, and they quit doing it. Some of them, like Michael and Todd, them go on and serve God. You go, well, that worked out pretty well. Others, I, don't, I wouldn't show them to you because I am so embarrassed. I ordained them. I signed off. They, they, got a, they probably threw the paper away or whatever, I hope. But I've got it printed up there, a copy of it, and the date and stuff. that just doesn't have the grapes on it. This is not me whining. I know it sounds whining, doesn't it? I don't know what Moses' voice sounds like. Besides, it probably in Hebrew, I wouldn't know what he's saying. But, you know, him saying, I wish that everybody would prophesy. 
think behind that is God the Father wanting all of his children to do whatever it is he has for them. Where Jesus says, I've come that you might have an abundant, overflowing life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am to the I am the life. Nobody goes comes to the Father except I am the door. We all are not just called to be saved. And this, might, this might be bad news to some of you. You know that when you got forgiven of your sins, it wasn't just that. And yes, God came to live with you forever in you. You and him are one. And the Holy Spirit's come. It's more than that. Your father has jobs for you and I as his children to do. Sometimes they're lifetime call, something that's been going on. Some of it you're in touch with, some of it you're not in touch with, but it's there. I'm working on an ending. I realize I didn't have a stopping spot. It was just Moses and the 70 and prophesying one time. Like the Moravian thing, to win for the Lamb the rewards of his suffering. Yesterday, while I was writing this down, I was thinking, wow, you know, that five-fold ministry, some will be apostles, some, you know, that end up prophesying, some do evangelism, some of them pastors, some of them teach. I don't know why I'm saying this to you, because y'all all know it if you've been around Christianity. This stuff is messy. It's messy. I don't know which part is more messy. You know, I know some that have ability to, they hear the Spirit, <clears throat> they give a prophecy. <clears throat> it would be neat if they would just stop first at the end of the prophecy that God gave them, the two sentences that they really were given, but the paragraph that followed that was them, I wish they wouldn't give in that part. And then there's the worst one. One, I mean, I've run into another case where they give. Can can we just be family for a minute? And me just come, just okay. Because this is stuff you're going to run into. All right. So I, I don't know how to solve it. I, if I wasn't this kind of, you know, I wish I could just cut straight to the chase sometimes instead of trying to. I don't know. Some part of me is like, you know, in the Far East, they say Japanese do a lot of things to save face. 
trying, you know, try to be, you know, they do niceties that maybe they wouldn't have done in this country, and I, I don't know, you know, I, I'm, I'm just me, but, um, so, so they give of this particular, I'm thinking of someone, they, they give the prophecy, the prophecy's pretty good, and then, and they actually stop at the end of the prophecy, but, the, but instead of with extra soulish prophecy, they go into a time of teaching to teach about what they have just said. So now there's another 30 minutes of teaching that we didn't need about the sentence that they heard rightly. And inside of me, the outside of me is being nice and trying not to squirm, but the inside of me is screaming, just please quit talking. Prophecy is sort of like playing baseball or something, you know. You're just going to have to swing, see if you hit the ball some. And if you do, then, hey, you might not hit it next time. But we've but we got to make room for people to make mistakes. But, but, we need, but we do it in about this many people would be good. I have been at national vineyard conventions where somehow a person had the nerve to stand up on the main floor and give a sentence, and you go, oh, gosh, I wish he had practiced doing this. I say he because I don't think the women were smarter than that. I don't think I ever saw one of the women stand up, and not that they couldn't have, but that they were smarter than to do this. But we're not very smart. So you just stand up, and you got like a 1,000 people there. They've all got hotel rooms. They've flown. They've drawn. They've driven they're there and and they're and they're practicing their infant variety of prophecy on all of us and you're you're wishing that they wouldn't but they were real gracious the leaders were you know i didn't nobody was laughing nobody was elbowing i mean everybody was polite they 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 let that happen I am sawing myself off the limb even as I sit here. I do not know how to get out of this. Anybody got a question or something they want to say? Or are y'all ready to do communion? Um, I think reading, reading this in Numbers yesterday... It made me want to be very gracious to other people and them trying stuff in the Spirit because I would want them to be gracious to me. And for that whole stack of names up there that I wish weren't there, there are those other names in between those names, which I'm glad we gave them a chance. I'm glad to hear their stories. And so because of that, I can't quit making a stack. I could have no more failures, but then there wouldn't be any fruit.
my desire is is at is as often as the spirit wants to may he come upon people and may we obey so that when we see Jesus face to face Nothing else. We gave it a try. He'd rather us try than not try. He'd rather us go out into the vineyard than say we're going to go into the vineyard and not go. For the sake of this nation and all the nations right now, May his people be willing to obey whatever God's saying today. Somewhere, probably right this moment, the Spirit is falling upon somebody for the very first time in anointing. And this will be with them the rest of their life or until Jesus comes back. This all goes by so quickly. I've done so many dumb things. And if I keep standing up here, I promise you I'll do some more dumb things. Oh, Lord. Thank you for Moses. Just being an honest leader. Just being honest. We agree with him. We want you to come on everyone that you want to come on next. And we know it's at different times and seasons in everybody's life. And that we can all be different. And nobody has to do anything the same as someone else. But behind it all, we recognize the love of God. We recognize Jesus is involved. Our Father's involved. That this is that we can we can weigh it, whether it's the Holy Spirit or not, and we can we can in our greatest humility ask you to send the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you never leave us. Thank you that you are with everyone here when we leave, and that you're with us with our rising up and our lying down, our coming in, our going out. Thank you, Lord, and and for all the times that we tried here. To anoint people or did anoint people and it didn't seem to work out and the times it did seem to work out thank you Lord thank you for all of them thank you for all of our combined stories together may we move forward with you this week be within this afternoon's service come Lord Visit them the way that you want to. And while we're still together, gathered here together, come, Lord. Come. Anoint our time of communion with each other and with you. In Jesus' name, amen.